Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm coming to you today because your MEC has recently approved a tentative agreement for your consideration. This will be the first in a series of podcasts where we will discuss the details of that tentative agreement. This one will be an overview of what you can find in that agreement. And to help me do that, we have MEC Chairman Will McQuillan. Hi, Will. Hi, David. Your MEC Vice Chairman, Joe Youngerman. Joe, thanks for being here. Hi, David. Thank you. MEC Treasurer, Scott Mokas. Scott, good to see you. Yeah, hi, David. Good to be here. And MEC Secretary, Garen Tenchert. Hi, Garen. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. And your Negotiating Chairman, Chris Gruner. How's it going? Very good. All right. Well, let's get right into it. And Will, start us off. Thanks, David. As you said, today your MEC approved a TA for you to consider with what we think is the the best deal and the best time for our pilots to consider. Um, The decision to bring forward this TA to you was made not just based on the amount of very real change for the pilots contained in this TA, but after careful consideration with other carriers, and after briefings and daily analysis with economic finance and analysis experts out at Alpa National. As you may recall, we opened negotiations with uh, several cornerstone issues based on polling, surveys, in-person conversations at some of the pub events, at the cookout tour, coffee sits, and all of these things, all these sources made it very, very clear that your top priorities were and are, I mean, they've been consistent and haven't wavered, job security, scheduling and scheduling flexibility, your quality of life and pay, reserve, all in that order. And our most recent poll that closed in August clearly identified that job security and scheduling are still the highest ranked priorities for this pilot group. Each of these topics is addressed in the TA that you'll have before you. And as we've said many, many times, Sometimes how problems are solved threads throughout the various sections of, of the proposed agreements. And that's why, as you said, David, we've recorded a series of podcasts that does a, a much deeper dive on how what before you addresses your concerns and where you can find it in the language, the multiple spots where you'll find it. But today, the podcast is designed to give you kind of a high level overview of your consistently expressed needs and what we've accomplished to address the problems that you identified and sent us forth to solve. Yeah, David, there's a lot in this contract. So um, everything from scope and much stronger, uh, really strong job protections, a lot more flexibility, PBS, big reserve changes, tons of control for ALPA on uh, the scheduling system. And then even other things like, you know, long stay hotels and paternity leave, uh, paternity leave instead of just maternity leave. So it's extended to fathers. And I mean, there's just a lot of pieces here to talk about as we go through it. Yeah, and, and I'll jump on that and say that it's not just all those areas, but compared to like a, a standard maybe contract cycle where you're addressing some more surgical or minor issues, we've wholesale really brought a large volume. I mean, we realized this internally, and then we've definitely realized it looking back about the volume of work that we've done, as you hinted at. And we'll get into that, I think, on this this podcast a little bit. But I do kind of want to go back and, and think about as far as the time it took and the amount of effort and how hard some of those battles were fought. I mean, this has not necessarily been an easy slog as far as achieving the amount of change that we've done. And if you think back that this is a three-year journey at the table, 
And most importantly, I think to highlight the fact that it really, the, we're here because of the, the unity, solidarity, the patience, professionalism of our pilot group, especially starting April 1st. You know, April 1st, that demonstration of solidarity and unity and the steadfast convictions that you've had on the things that you needed solved, the problems that you wanted solved, and the change that you needed to see, that's where we are today. And I look forward to kind of getting into it a little bit on this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, Will, we've all been through this together. It's been a long several years going through this. And so just want to thank everybody out there for everything you've done to uh, work to get this TA across the line. All right. Well, let's talk about some of those consistently identified goals of the pilot group. And the big one that jumps out is scope. And that's something that, you know, I... Guys like me who've been here a long time have listened to people say we'd never get it, and and now we have it. So, in in this TA at least. So, Chris, you want to flush that out? Yeah, David. So now we have stronger and tighter language confirming that all flying by or for the company will be done by Alaska Airlines seniority list pilots, unless we agree that the flying is specifically excluded from coverage. You know, we put limits on the amount of small jets and the size of the small jets permitted. Uh, we have co-chair protections. We have protections for mergers, acquisitions, uh, joint ventures, fragmentation. Uh, we have a requirement for two pilots in the flight deck that's been agreed to. So uh, this is a, a big change in uh, from where we were to where we are now. Yeah, I think that's a, a really important point, Chris. Scope is, is a huge deal. And as uh, folks that have listened to earlier podcasts uh, where I've spoken probably are aware, I two jobs ago, I, I lost my job uh, because of a lack of good scope language at Midwest Airlines. And, uh, you know, I got to start my career over at 45 years old. And I can tell you that without job protections, regardless how good this agreement is, we're at risk. It's like insurance. It's not sexy. You don't see it in your paycheck every month, but it matters. It matters a lot. And it can be devastating, not only to you and your paycheck, but to your family and to your quality of life in general. And this airline has gone 90 years without any sort of meaningful scope language. When the merger started, I heard a lot of talk about how we'd never need scope or we never going to get scope. I heard a lot of excuses, but you know, this has proven that it is possible to get it, and it's extremely important. And I think every pilot should breathe a sigh of relief with the idea that knowing that their jobs have protections now that they've been without up until this point, protections that really, really matter. Yeah, Joe, very important. And, uh, you know, going into this, I knew this was going to be a tough road with uh, trying to get scope in our language. Uh, I wasn't sure the company was ever going to be agreeable to it. In my experience, uh, they made it quite clear back in the day that they weren't interested in scope. And when you're negotiating, you know, you, you go over things that require problem solving for both parties. But previously, in my experience, the company was only concerned with their own problems. But I'm happy to say here we are. We have the scope language that the pilots desire and need and has, has totally met the goals and objectives that we have uh, needed for so long here. Well, the next pain point we heard consistently and loudly was scheduling, work rules, flexibility, all that kind of thing needed a lot of work. So what do we have to show for that? Well, David, yeah, for sure. I think that that was so many areas of scheduling were clearly identified by pilots as needing improvement, complete rewrites, rethink 
of the way in which our scheduling is done, our reserve system is done, things like that. So I think that it is important that we spend a little bit of time in that. And, and I'll tell you that we did. We poured the vast majority of our efforts into the redo of the, of the scheduling system that includes reserves, reserve quality of life. And we do believe that we've accomplished that and that you're going to find yourselves set for a vast improvement in these sections throughout the TA to the point our pilots asked for change and I think that's where we landed. So I'd let Chris kind of highlight some of those areas. Yeah, there's, this is a, a lot to cover on the podcast. We're not going to get it all. And even when you go through all the podcasts on the individual issues, they're, they're not all going to be there. So again, I encourage you guys to go look through the contract and ask questions and make sure you understand all the pieces. But I mean, from a high level, we added credit in a lot of places. So we ha added a holiday pay. We have an average daily guarantee of 515, which is in line with the top of the industry. We have training pay of five hours. We've added reassignment pay. So every time you're reassigned, your trip is 150%. If you're delayed past two hours, you get paid one minute for every two minutes. You're delayed past that until they get you home. Uh, we got a wider credit window. So those are just some initial tools. And then we added PBS. And until then, step trades are allowed down to 60. We added a whole new reserve system. Until then, we have a shorter wraps that we've uh, are going to be implemented right away. We've got longer call out times, and uh, I mean, those are just a few things to kind of start the conversation that kind of just lay the foundation. But there's a lot underneath the hood there still to talk about. Yeah, and those individual podcasts are huge on that. That's why I think what David three of them are devoted to scheduling related issues. I think that's accurate. I think so. But in a lot of ways, we're talking about trading on a calendar day, as you said, much broader trading parameters. Those tools, those pain points, like you said, reassignment and delays. And the delay pay thing is actually industry leading at this point. So I think that it's going to be a valuable tool that in general, when scheduling messes with your life, you're going to be compensated for it. And I think that's going to be valuable in addition to all of the other flexibility tools that you hinted at. Yeah, one thing you mentioned, Chris, was uh, PBS. And I know a lot of pilots out there were worried about PBS and the fact that that's another tool that the company can use against us. Well, I think we're happy to announce here with this tentative agreement that we're going to have the controls in PBS to make this successful for the pilot group. Yeah, and I know I, the same things that you've heard, I've heard too, Scott, right? About people's concerns about PBS since you and I have been here about the same amount of time within months of, of each other. And really, you know, I think some of the common perceptions around it, I'll just deal with it at a high level here. Uh, that's not the PBS system that we have built. The PBS system we have built has ALPA control, ALPA pairing construction. It really has some good, useful tools. Again, listen to that podcast that I think are gonna give you a real sense of how your quality of life is gonna change. Yeah, and on top of that, we made sure that the language is completely fleshed out. So unlike other properties that have negotiated PBS with an LOA with details to follow, we knew that you needed confidence in the system when you were voting on it. So when you take a look at the contract, you'll be able to see what PBS is gonna look like. And uh, you know, it's a lot of technical details, but it, you can go uh, ask us questions or other people who know more about the system if you wanna find out more and they can explain to you the impact of um, what it's gonna look like. Uh, we know that many Alaska pilots may not have lived in a world with a uh, PBS scheduling system, but we're very fortunate in that we had a number of just fantastic SMEs that do have experience with PBS and know how to make sure that it was designed 
that we have the controls that we need to make it a workable process for this pilot group, that it benefits the pilots, that it delivers on the expectations that you have for increased uh, scheduling flexibility, better schedules. That was the goal. And PBS is what's going to get us there. That's what's going to deliver those demands that you put out there for this new agreement. Yeah. And I think one of the other important points as you bring it up, like the team, and you're going to hear the team on those other podcasts, a lot of those people on the scheduling team, this is probably scheduling in general, but the PBS language and things like that was one of the most carefully crafted with conversations with a number of other carriers to make sure that we absolutely understood what works, what doesn't, what is best practices. But it was also one of the most closely wargamed and pressure tested areas We sat in here and tried to pick it apart uh, on all the scheduling stuff, left, right, and center, to make sure that we weren't going to make the mistakes that I think people sometimes speak of from other carriers or things that they experienced with, uh, call it PBS on the cheap. What was negotiated is something that benefits pilots. This was not done with our back up against the wall. We really were able to take the best practices that every other carrier apply them in ways that worked for Alaska pilots and have something that should create the flexibility that pilots have been looking for. Right. Very good point, David. And I mean, at no time was that out of our focus. This entire system was built with the needs, the problems identified by the pilots. It was all about achieving our pilots' goals. I'd like to just add, too, that um, I think that it's worth pointing out that this these scheduling improvements and PBS really gives now pilots certainty in their lives. They're now able to plan their lives better while still honoring your seniority. When I was a base chief pilot, it was the number one reason why pilots came into my office, to try to get some semblance of planning for certain important events. And I think what the negotiating team has now accomplished is exactly that. They're given a quality of life that's been unheard of at Alaska since in my career here of 22 years. To include just there's various examples of this, and you'll get it in later podcasts, but Golden Days is a good example of that, where pilots can put days via PBS on their line to protect certain days for certain important life events. So I think it's important to to point that out to the pilots that this group has listened to them and has, uh, I think, been successful in in putting a quality of life that's never been there before. Well, let's move into a related topic what is certainly a pain point for pilots is the reserve system that we've been suffering under over these oh so many years yeah so there's i mean reserve touches several aspects of the contract it's not just about the people's quality of lives under the reserve system which is obviously very important to get much better because i know at every coffee sit i went to and things like that the most consistent thing i heard was please fix reserve i can't do this anymore But at the same time, for bid block holders, the way the reserve system is set up affects how you're able to trade. So we worked really hard to adjust both both of those things. So with the new reserve system that's going to be down the line, it uh, creates more opportunities for reserve pilots to be able to manage their own lives. Um, Obviously, a reserve, it's not 100%, but it's a huge improvement over what we have now. And there's calendar days off, so you can plan your month better. And then along those lines, we've then opened up trading by not restricting drops into specific buckets through the day. Um, The reserve for a day counts as a reserve for that entire day. So they can count, they can cover a trip at any point there. So um, if that's confusing, we explain it better on the podcast, but just know that quality of life and trading is better. Yeah. And and I'll dive on that because I was thinking of several of the areas of improvement that we've incorporated 
in the reserve section, you know, it includes greater control, if you're talking on a broad basis, much greater control to include the element of aggressive pickup, which was a tool that uh, I had at my brief tenure at United, which is great for a reserve to be able to not just pick up trips that match days, but plus or minus one. And we'll get into that in the other podcast. A 14 hour long call, no assignment before the 1400 on the first day. We were able to preserve a short call option for those pilots who prefer it. And we also added a non-convertible long call option for our commuting pilots so that they don't have to commute for a short call wrap. And as you said, it facilitates trading based on a, a single day reserve count, and that's huge. I'd like to reiterate that important point that Will just made on the, the ability for commuters to actually have a good quality of life on reserve. It's just not for commuters, but people that live in domicile. So we now have a system that's gonna work for everybody. You know, when a pilot's on reserve, the goal is to actually get off of reserve. Uh, I think now with changes to this TA, it, it includes provisions now that make reserve quite a bit more palatable, as you'll see in the, in the subsequent podcast on that topic. You know, for me as a commuter, I've been commuting since I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, I think 1994 was the last time I drove to work. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person out there that's been commuting that long. I know we have a lot of guys that long-term commuters. It's probably the least fun part of the job. Uh, It's probably one of the most stressful parts of being an airline pilot is the commute. So it's something that for commuters, how difficult that process is matters a lot, matters a lot to your stress level. And uh, I'm I'm excited over a number of provisions in this uh, TA that I believe will make life much easier on commuters. Whether it's getting a hotel when you need it, or getting on a flight or having a little more control over your life when scheduling decides to upend your schedule. I think these are all important improvements that for commuters is going to be a very noticeable improvement in their, in their contract. Well, we know compensation is always a focus in any agreement for pilots. And as we said at the top of this podcast, we heard that we needed a market rate agreement and one that allows overall compensation to grow. So Chris, how did we handle that issue? Yeah, so depending on where you are on the pay slope, you're gonna get a 15 to 21% increase. So that's 306 for top of scale captains on the first year, 318 on year two, and 331 on year three. Um, And then the pay rates right now are gonna be effective back to one September. Along with that, we also uh, fixed the slope. So now we don't have that dip in the middle of the uh, pay slope, it's brought back up to look just like uh, everyone else and to have a nice even uh, evolution towards the top of scale. That kind of accounts for the differences that we see depending upon a 15 to a 21% increase was simply because it wasn't linear, you know, before, which is obviously an issue. And I've heard obviously throughout uh, the three-year journey that people were concerned about our timing in relation to our peers in the industry and things like that. And I don't want to bypass any discussion of compensation without mentioning that even though I think that we are the first to produce a TA here in terms of our other peers who are in Section 6, but we've ensured we've locked in that market rate adjustment to ensure that if there is insecurity and if they are able to achieve gains, that uh, that we're going to ride that wave with them. And that's an important piece, I think, for pilots to recognize. When pilots are looking at the, uh, when they're assessing the, the TA, you know, the first thing they go to is always what the rate is for the pilots. And, 
you know, especially when it's just released. And I think what's even equally important or even more important sometimes is never falling behind the industry again, like we have been for so long. And I think this contract accomplishes that with the escalation clause compared to relative other carriers. Yeah. And, you know, Karen, you bring up a, a good point there in as well that people may go right to the the rate section, right? I mean, I've done it. Everybody does it. it but I think that they always of, do, you know, and a lot of what what we've also baked into this contract that pilots will recognize is that you're going to see those in, enhanced credit values throughout the contract when you look at it. The value of a vacation day has an impact. The deadhead credit being 100% now has an impact. ADG is going to enhance the value of trips that pilots told us was a genuine or real issue. I think we all know what those look like. It really is going to add more to either your W-2 or to days off in your life is kind of how the conceptually how this contract was designed. So it does go beyond the rate. Yeah, I was thinking about that very thing. Well, there's a lot of flexibility in here. So if you're in a stage in life where you want to have a lot of time off or a stage of the year where you want to take more time off than on another month, you can do that. If on the other hand, you want to max out your credit in a month, you can do that too. And there's more ways to do that and more ease to make that happen. It may also be worth noting that throughout this process, you've been in close contact with your counterparts at the other MECs and have some awareness of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Comprehensive landscape checks on a regular basis. There's another market rate adjustment in the DC rates. If three airlines go ahead and agree to a 17% defined contribution, all our DC plans that include options one, two, and three that are agreed to in 2009 will also see a percentage increase on their DC. And one other element that does kind of get into that also is the restoration of longevity for the furloughees. And I know that that is a long fought battle as the uh, the furlough coordinator during that unfortunate period of time in our history. And we were able to achieve that. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, I think that's a really important point because uh, I know we worked really hard over the last couple of years to uh, make sure that all the pilots here were able to keep their jobs through this pandemic. And it's really, uh, honestly, it's good to see that we were able to uh, work with the company to make those furloughed pilots whole on their pension. So Chris, we can't talk about compensation without addressing the fact that it's taken a while to get here and there needs to be some recognition of that elapsed time in terms of pay. So how have we addressed that? Yeah, David, no, thanks. I, I think we knew that there was a payment due for the delay that it took to bring this TA to fruition. And uh, we kind of looked back on the timeline of the negotiations and realized that by October of 2021, you know, the company really did have the pandemic in the rearview mirror, we think. You know, they'd started hiring again. Nearly all of our leave pilots have been recalled from their EIL leaves. And uh, the company had responded to us back at the table as evidenced by their filing for mediation. And we truly felt the delay starting at this point and, and felt the company should absolutely account for this time period specifically. So in talking about the delay pay, delay pay is actually divided into two components. And part of that is the new pay rates that now apply from September 1st of this year, meaning that each pilot can calculate that difference, obviously, and approximate that pay coming their way. A top of scale captain could expect, for example, that difference of $39 an hour times the hours that he or she flew. And at 83 hours, give or take, that's about $3,200 for each month. So that's one component of the uh, delay pay. 
But then there was also a look at a credit system to account for that time period from October 1st of 2021 until August 31st of 2022. And that credit system, that credit payment is based on a flat rate per month, depending upon which seat you were in. For example, you know, captain versus first officer. Captains will receive roughly $3,000 for each month. First officers will receive roughly $2,000 for each month. And those who upgraded will receive the appropriate pay for each month that they were in the applicable seat. And uh, our REIL pilots will be paid at two-thirds the rate of those regular pilots, i.e. a 75-hour guarantee versus the 50 hours that they were receiving while they were on rail status. And all that means is that a pilot who is a captain, the entire credit payment period would receive roughly $33,000. And a pilot who is a first officer during the entire credit period would receive approximately $22,000. And so to evaluate the entire payment that a pilot should add both that credit payment amount and the retroactive portion in rough math is pretty close to $40,000 for a captain and about $30,000 for a first officer. So we've just talked about the really big issues that have a huge impact on pilots' lives, but there's a lot of other changes in the tentative agreement as well that that also affect pilots. So if maybe we can just list those off briefly, I mean, you really need to get into the executive summary to hear all of this stuff, but briefly, Joe, if you wanna start us off on some of the areas that have been touched. Yeah, there's so much here, really. And, it, you know, it, of course, it all goes back to quality of life, scheduling, flexibility, all that. The things that pilots talked about were important to them at the beginning of this process. And there's so much here that, uh, you know, just to hit a few, we're going to have pairing control, complete control over scheduling. We're, we're going to have a scheduling floor volunteer, something that uh, has been important to us for a considerable period of time. Changes in hotels, training, vacation, privacy, Per diem, short call out under four hours with including uh, close in parking and ride share. And that's just a short list that kind of barely scratches the surface. For pilots to really understand all that's here and all the improvements uh, that are going to occur, they really need to read the executive summary. That's going to be really critical that, that guys and girls take the time to dive into that and really get an understanding of what's going on here. That's a great point, Joe. Guess section five hotels. Pilots spend a significant portion of their lives on the road in hotels, and you'll see significant changes that will definitely improve pilots' quality of life while they're on the road. Yeah, just to add a couple more, you know, we've got things in training that enhance pilots' lives. For instance, positive space for, uh, for coming from home to go to training and not just necessarily your domicile. Uh, additional items to protect pilot privacy under section 30 and all those types of things. So it is really important for everyone to kind of get a good grasp of what the executive summary looks like and all the details that are involved there. So clearly there's a lot of changes and a lot contained in this tentative agreement that pilots will have to take the time and and look through. I think we've covered the big pieces of that in this episode. Will, do you want to start putting a bow on this, so to speak? Yeah, I I will and encourage everybody else to kind of chime in as we go along here. But I'm going to emphasize that we really did start this process and have done it all the way through by listening to you from the openers to the evolving issues that were identified during the pandemic over the number of months and years that it's taken to pull this agreement together with every round of polling data. And I guess the good news is that we've never had to chase our tails 
because you've been steadfast and the pilot group's been consistent in what they've told us about the things that we just talked about, job security, scheduling flexibility, flexibility to work hard or to enjoy time off, market rates that are protected so we're never left behind again, and to make sure that all these ongoing issues that you said needed to be fixed, like we said, reassignment, delays, protecting your days off, inefficient trips, holiday pay, you know, the, the list goes on. Your MEC and your elected reps have heard you, and we believe that we've gotten as far in this goal as possible while protecting the uncertainties ahead. Yeah, so we're at the point now, Will, where it's time for all of you listening, for the pilots to go uh, decide. And so it's like I've asked you from the very beginning to write down what's important to you. And then once we have a TA, to pull out that list and then see if we've met your objectives. And our goal is to have done just that. So we're going to be available to answer questions. Please reach out to us on the NC, the officers, your reps, obviously. And um, we're going to go hit the road here pretty soon and go out and um, meet you face to face as much as we can between now and when the vote happens. So um, please don't let your questions go unanswered and um, we'll continue to uh, work until, uh, until we get to the uh, opportunity for you to vote. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's really important to take a look at this TA in its entirety. There are so many components that intertwine with each other to deliver what you asked for. And uh, whether it be job protections or scheduling flexibility, all of this is sort of intertwined. It all works together to deliver on the goals that uh, this pilot group said they were after. And so I think really understanding it in its entirety is very important. And again, that's why we encourage you to get into that executive summary, take a look at it, understand it as a whole. And the more you understand how all these all these parts work together as a single engine, the better it looks and the, and the more you realize what a significant improvement this is over our a previous agreement. All right. And Will, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about some of the resources that we've created for pilots, because as, as has been mentioned many times so far in this episode, there's a lot to this and, and it'll take some reading. This, it is complicated and it won't be like a normal contract where you can put the old contract on one side and look at the tentative agreement and just compare the two. It, it really, everything threads so much. So to do that, we've got a number of products. One is the quick guide that you may have seen already. We have an executive summary that is uh, you're going to find here linked. And soon there will be the full language of the actual tentative agreement. It's really important to everyone here that you have the ability to look at full language as soon as possible. So if it's not out now, it will we'll be seen. Right. And I want to make a point on that, that the full language is basically written. This is not an adventure where we have bullet points. I mean, the full language is fleshed out. This is a proofreading exercise, cross-checking references exercise. That's the only delay we're looking at is really taking all that full language and making sure it all cross-references and is tied together nice and neat. That's what Chris and his team uh, will be doing in the next few days and have been doing throughout. Like I said, full language is written. It's just a matter of proofreading right now at this point. Yeah, thanks. Well, I think that's an important point to make. So we have revamped the website. So if you go to alaskapilots.org, all of this stuff and more will be available to you. Everything that I just mentioned, including other podcast links, a question bank of FAQs and a form to fill out if you have further questions and instructions on how to cast your ballot. We'll get to that in just a minute. 
And this is very important. We will have a roadshow schedule that is published on the website. It's important that we get out to the pilots, give you a chance to interact with your elected leaders, with the negotiating committee, with your block reps, and very importantly, with subject matter experts who were very instrumental in designing this language. So they'll be there as well. This website is available to your family members as well. It's in front of the firewall. So this information you can get to your spouses, you can get to anyone else who is in your household that is important to you or that uh, will be impacted by this contract. So please feel free to share that with them and keep coming back. This will be a, a living document. I expect those FAQs to grow and we'll add other things as, as need be. And I suppose this really begs the question about voting. And there'll be instructions on how to do that on the website as well. Basically, you'll need your Alpha member number and password to log in. And you'll have plenty of time to absorb this information, ask your questions, and then plenty of time to vote. And I'll look forward to seeing all of you out on the roadshow. I'll be there myself. So, Will, before we wrap this up, do you have any final, final closing thoughts? Yeah, David, the final, final thoughts. Um, you know, so much has been said, and we've said it time and time again since the day that we crafted openers. This is your tentative agreement and your vote. And my hope is simply that pilots take the time to cast an informed vote. As we've said, there's such a volume of change. It's a complete rewrite in so many ways of your contract. And it will be very important that everybody has the resources, as you said, opportunities to ask questions, to, to become informed and to cast that informed vote. So please take the time to digest everything that we have made available to you. This is not the time to skim or rely on someone else to do your homework for you. Listen to the podcasts, read everything come to those roadshows and do everything in your power to be informed and feel good about that vote. Did we solve your problems? Don't do this in isolation. As it was said, encourage your families to take time to understand the overall TA as, as well, because this does involve them. And, and I guess that brings me to my last thought. Well, almost last thought. The single source of what is and isn't rumor from fact are your reps, your elected reps, as well as the subject matter experts that are available to you. And my real closing thought then, and this isn't hyperbole, is that throughout this process, we could have never gotten to the end without you and your unity. The displays of unity and resolve truly were the horsepower that allowed us to drive forward so, so many times. The time was right to close this deal, and the NC knew it, as did the MEC, Ronan and the SPSC team, everyone. And I'm deeply thankful to the resolve and professionalism that this pilot group has displayed because your input and your unity, your resolve and professionalism is what enabled us to get to this point. Thank you. Stay engaged. Talk to your reps. I and all of the volunteers really do look forward to hearing your thoughts and answering your questions in the weeks ahead. All right. Thank you, Will. And thank all of you for coming in today. This concludes another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman David Campbell.